people that will accept, approve, and admire us for who we are. And if you think about that logically, just for a moment, you know what that, we'll say it this way, here's another old, birds of a feather flock together. And so we tend to draw towards people uh, that would agree with us. And, uh, and so uh, there's something to that. But I want us to think of this as well, that we really ought to, instead of seeking acceptance, approval, admiration from other people, that we would seek to have the acceptance and approval of God above all other things. That ought to be the most important thing in our life. If you look here, that is really what the psalmist is saying. He says in verse number one, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Look what he says in verse number two as he cements this idea down. He says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. And so he's, he's opened himself up completely to God and said, God, I want you, I want my life to be accepted and approved of God. That's what he's really seeking for. And boy, that's what every person ought to look for in their life. And so as we look at this psalm, that is the whole idea and scope of this psalm that our life would be pleasing to God. Verse number one and two, I want you to notice this as he starts it off, as we've kind of looked at it a little bit, he's considering the end. In other words, where is he going with his life? Uh, and and, and what, what is the, uh, the place that he's going to end at? He, you notice he opens up right there. He says, judge me. Oh, Lord, isn't that amazing? Because most people are scared to death of standing before God. Most people are saying, man, I, they, you know, you, you work in the world. You live in the world. You know what it's like in the world. Everyone's like, don't judge. Don't judge. You ever seen the, this is a judgment-free zone. You can just talk and say anything you want and, and everything goes. This is a judgment-free. Uh, listen, that's not what the psalmist was saying. He's saying, hey, God, uh, I want you to judge me. Uh, I want you to look at my life. I want you to show me what is right and what is wrong. And, and so uh, a lot of people have a gross misconception about judging. And, uh, and, and really the only Bible verse they know is, the Bible says, judge not. Uh, and they'll quote that little part, you know, and that's, the, that's, that's all the Bible they even know. They don't even know any. Hey, where's that found, by the way? Well, I, I don't know. It's in there somewhere, I think. You know, they don't know. But, but really, he's saying, hey, we have to consider the end. The psalmist here is considering the end and saying, hey, I know that I'm going to stand before God. Save your spot here in Psalms and go with me to, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And I just want to show this to you. This is, uh, somebody asked me this not too long ago, and it's not the first time I've looked at this question. I've, I've pondered it often in my life, and that's this. Here's the, here's the quandary. Here is the, uh, the, the thought sometimes that we have, and, and certainly it's right. If we're saved and our sins are forgiven, then, then we're forgiven. There's no doubt about that. There is forgiveness, and we are forgiven. 
But that doesn't mean that we can just live our life any way we want for the rest of our life with no accountability of our actions for the rest of our life after salvation. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. And you'll have to wrestle yourself with these passages to really nail down because I don't know that I can vocalize, verbalize uh, exactly what all of this is, but I can point to you very clearly that this is going to take place. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 11, the Bible says this, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is... Jesus Christ. Let me just stop right there in verse number 11 and tell you this definitively. He's talking about saved people because the foundation is Jesus Christ. They're planted upon Jesus Christ. They're building upon Jesus Christ. So therefore, they are saved. Definitively, that's what this text is referring to. It's referring to saved people. He says in verse number 12, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire Fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, watch this in verse number 15, he shall suffer loss, but read the rest of it, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. So we understand that it is definitively talking about somebody who is saved. And there's no doubt that our sins are forgiven. However, the life that we live and the things that we do are going to be building upon our life and, and we're going to be held accountable for the way that we construct and build our life. You'll notice three things, uh, gold, precious stone, uh, gold, silver, and precious stone. Uh, you'll notice that, hey, those don't burn up in fire. Uh, wood, hay, and stubble, you know what happens when you throw a match at that? Woof. I mean, it's gone. Uh, and so there's, there's no doubt that our works and our life is going to stand before God at some point. And the psalmist is very much aware of that. I don't want to spend the rest of the night on, on 1 Corinthians 3, uh, so you can, you can take that and, and think about that and ponder that. But understand this. That, hey, even as saved people, God is going to hold our lives accountable to some degree or other. Now, I don't, maybe I can't articulate to what degree and what fashion and all of that, but I do know it is a fact. And so we find here in, in, in Psalms 26, he's saying, the psalmist is saying, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have, all, I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. And he's saying, listen, uh, he's asking God to judge him. He's asking God to look over his life. He's asking God to say, uh, we'll get into verse number two, where, where he examines and looks at every part of it. But he's asking for that. And he's claiming, hey, I'm walking in mine integrity. Integrity is purity, genuine, unadulterated, something not corrupted. And listen, as much as we want to, we desire to walk in integrity. We desire to walk correctly. But we're bound to mess up. We're human. We're going to have error. Uh, and I love the fact that he put in here the second part of it. 
Uh, I have trusted also in the Lord. What a great uh, thought as we look at that. And I understand that, listen, in the Old Testament, they, they didn't always understand salvation per se. Uh, and they were looking forward and there was a lot of things that maybe was not clear to them. And, and not every passage spells out salvation real clearly. Uh, but, uh, but I'm just telling you, there's some parallels there that, hey, we are going to be judged. We ought to walk in our integrity to the best of our ability, and we ought to trust in the Lord, as the psalmist says. Moving on to verse number two, and so we think about the end. We think about standing before God. Hey, we ought to live our life uh, that would be proper for God. But then in verse number two, he says this, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, and try my reins and my heart. And listen, we think about this. As we think about standing before God and we're considering the end, hey, every day we can calculate that and say, you know what, God, today, examine my life. You know what the word examine means? It means this, and I could spend the rest of the night right here on just these two verses, but we won't for sake of time. It means to inspect carefully. Remember way back when I came to Bible college to Ohio. I lived in upstate New York. Upstate New York had car inspections. I remember I came to Bible college. My car inspection expired while I was in Ohio. There's no place to get a New York State car inspection in Ohio. It does not exist. So what do I do? Any good college student, I'm driving home, man, with an expired uh, inspection sticker. I, I know more than cross the state line. Woo! Pulled me over. Your inspection sticker's out of date. Yes, sir, it is. He said, um, may I have your license and registration? I said, sir, I just, I'm driving home from Bible college. I've been living out of state for, for the past three months or whatever time it had been. I, I said, I couldn't, there was nowhere to get inspected. And he let me off with a warning that time. He said, but don't do it again. How am I supposed to... How do you fix that? So the next time I drove to Ohio, I changed my address. I changed my car license plate. I changed everything. I said, there, I won't do it again. I will, I'll, I'll, I'll resign from New York State and move to Ohio, become a Buckeye. Inspection. You know what they would do? They'd inspect that car. They would look over it. They would find. I was a poor college student. Every time they looked at my car, there was something that needed fixed, undoubtedly. And, and you, had to, you had to pay them a couple hundred dollars every time they looked at your car because this needed fixed, then this needed fixed, then that needed fixed. And, and, and they were inspecting it. Hey, listen, when you open your life up to God, as imperfect and as fallible as we are, you can mark it down. He's going to find stuff. And we ought to say, you know what, God, help me to get those things right. I remember when I was learning Spanish, and um, consequently, we'd open our Bible to Psalms in Spanish. And, uh, and, and my instructor in Spanish, first week of Spanish class, my instructor would open his Bible to Psalm 1, and I'd open my Bible to Psalm 1, and he'd read verse number 1, and I'd read verse number 2. Except for every time I mispronounced a word, He'd interrupt me, stop me, and make me say it until I said it right. You know how long it took us to get through Psalm chapter 1? 
an eternity. I was like, good night. And looking back, I, I appreciate that. I needed that correction. That's what caused me to speak properly. That's what caused me to pronounce words properly in Spanish, not in English. That helped me. It's a clarification. I know I butcher stuff in English. It helped me. You know what? If you'll open up your life to God and say, God, examine me. Show me where I'm wrong. He'll do it, and you ought to accept it and change and allow those things to be fixed. Examine me. Prove me. You know what prove means? It means to try, to allow God to test you. That is a scary prayer to pray right there. That's like praying, God, give me patience. Don't pray that. Are you kidding me? God will send you all the tests that you need to learn patience. He'll probably send you two sets of twins and put you on deputation. It's probably what he'll do. And I'm just saying that, that don't, you know, he's saying, prove me, try me. Uh, you know what Job said? Job 23.10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. When you open your life to God and you say, examine me, and you open your life to God and you say, prove me, try these areas in my life that are weak, try these areas that need tested, then God will do that because he wants to help you grow. He wants to make you better. And the psalmist is saying, hey, I'm considering the end every single day that my life would be pleasing to God. And he says, Try my reins. Try my heart. It wasn't just outward actions. It was all the way to the inside, to his motive, that he was saying, God, I'm considering the end. I'm considering the day that I'll stand before you in judgment, and I want my life to be pleasing to you. Look at verse number 3 and 5. We find in verses 1 and 2, we find that we're to consider, the psalmist is considering the end of the road and the time when he stands before God. Look in verses 3 down through 5. We find that he charts a course to make it to that end of the road. Look at verse number 3. He says there in, in verse number 3, For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. You know what he says under charting the course? The first thing is to admire holiness. You look at that and look at what it says again. He says, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes. In other words, he's observing and saying, you know what? God has been good to me. God has blessed me here. God has been kind to me. God has been loving to me here. And he's observing how God is, has been so good to him. And he's admiring that holiness. Did you, you understand and realize that the opposite of loving kindness uh, is, is cruelty? And, and what is it that the Bible talks about cruelty? That's the way of the wicked. That's not the way of God. And so we find that God is loving kindness. And so the psalmist here is admiring the loving kindness of God. He's, he's admiring how God has blessed him. Look at the last part. He says, I have walked in thy truth. Not only are we to admire his holiness and, and observe the, the loving kindness of God, the graciousness, the merciful ways of God, but we're also to notice the, the truth of God. 
and we're to walk in his truth that, hey, he wrote it down for us in the word of God. And we ought to spend time learning from the word of God. This verse I love, Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it shows me the way that we're supposed to go. He's charting his course, how he can end up being pleasing to God. And one is by admiring his holiness. Look at verse number four. I find this interesting. He steps it right down. He says in verse number four, I have sat with vain persons, or excuse me, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go with dissemblers. What's a dissembler? A dissembler means a hypocrite, one who conceals his opinions or dispositions under a false appearance. Somebody who acts like they're not. What's a vain person? Somebody that... Uh, Will, will tell you how good they are and they're, they're puffed up and they're thinking much of themselves and saying, well, look at me, I do this and I do that. And so uh, to chart the course, he says, admire holiness, admire God, look at his ways, look at his word. Then he goes on and he says, avoid hypocrites. That would be vain persons and people who, uh, who would puff themselves up and say, hey, you need to, you need to pattern yourself after me because look at everything that I'm doing and look at how I'm living my life and, and all of that. He's saying, hey, you need to be careful of those vain persons and dissemblers. Those are those who would conceal their opinions or dispositions under a false pretense and say things that, uh, that really are just to gain your trust or gain your relationship. And, and so he's saying, hey, I'm avoiding those things. Not only that, but then look at the next step he goes in. Verse number five, as he's charting his course, he says, admire holiness, avoid hypocrites. And verse number five, he says this, I have hated, I found this interesting, the congregation of evil doers. Usually when I think of the word congregation, I think of a church setting. But here we have a congregation of evil doers. Did you know that evil doers do congregate? They don't congregate usually in church. They usually try and avoid that place. They don't want to be where the preaching of the Word of God is. They don't want that. And so they'll find somewhere else to congregate. And, and listen, there's plenty of places that evildoers will congregate and they'll get together. But I want you to notice, he says, not only admire holiness, avoid hypocrites, but then in verse number five, he says, avoid heinousness. How do you like that H word? Heinousness. He says there, uh, I have hated the congregation of evildoers. And in the second part, he says, I will not sit with the wicked. Hey, listen, there is evildoers. You have any doubt, you go back and you read Proverbs chapter 1. And it says, hey, they're, they're trying to, uh, to cause you to, hey, throw in your money in our purse with us. And, and they're trying to draw people away. And he's saying, hey, you stay away from the evil crowd. You stay away from the heinous acts of the wicked. You stay away from those kind of people. And so he's saying, hey, in charting your course, if you want to be pleasing to God, you need to admire holiness, you need to avoid hypocrites, and you need to avoid heinous people those who are working wickedness. And she's saying, hey, that's, those are influences in your life. And you've got to be careful of those influences. So he's saying, consider the end. Think about where you're going. Chart the course. Uh, how are you going to get there? A lot of times on my GPS, because I love my GPS, and I put the address in, 
And, and a lot of times, I, I try and, I don't always, I wish it was always, I try and zoom out and look at the whole picture. Because sometimes, I've been guilty, I hope I'm not the only one, I'm sure you've been there too, you punch in something and you think it's taking you to one place, but it's taking you to a completely wrong place. And if you don't look at the whole big picture, you'll end up in the wrong place altogether. And listen, in our life, we've got to look at the big picture. We've got to say, where am I going in my life? We've got to chart that course. And we've got to consider the end. Not only that, but look with me in verse number 6 and down through 8. Look at what he says in verse number 6. I love this, this portion. This is so good. He says, I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. In verses 6 down through 8, he's, he, he's stating this, choose God's presence in your life. Notice what he says there in verse number 6. He says, I will wash my hands. Matter of fact, verse 6 is all about the purity in our life. He's talking about in verse number 6, he says, wash my hands. It's kind of the idea of, of making sure that our actions are correct and that we're living right. A lot of people today, they put all the emphasis on the heart. And while your heart needs to be right, and it doesn't matter how you dress, it doesn't matter how you live, it doesn't matter what you do, that's not Bible. The Bible says that God is concerned with our exterior. He's concerned with our interior. The, you can, you can fall off the bridge on this side saying it's only heart, and you can fall off the bridge on this side saying it's all about dress and clothes and looking right and nothing about the heart. Listen, there's the both ideas, and they're both right. You need to clean up your actions, and you need to clean up your heart. He says here, wash his hands. I will wash my hands in innocency. Uh, I love this verse, Ephesians 5.25. Uh, the Bible says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And it gives the idea that the Word of God is a washing agent that will help us to clean up our actions in our life. The psalmist here says, wash my hands in innocency. Not only that, but notice the second part of the verse. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord. The idea of compass is to go around the altar of God and and be there around the altar. And, and listen, uh, the altar is where sacrifice is made. In the Old Testament, the psalmist would bring, uh, before, before they would uh, come into God's presence, they would have to do some ceremonial washing. They would have to bring a sacrifice to the altar and offer that sacrifice before they could get into the presence of God. I'm glad that we don't have to do that. I'm glad that I don't... brother. Brother Tannis, I'd have to have your help up here offering all the sacrifices, killing all the sheep, and, and taking care of everything. I mean, I'm glad we don't have to do that. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Praise the Lord for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't... 
it doesn't annul our responsibility to wash our hands and make sure that our actions are clean. It doesn't annul our responsibility to say, hey, I need to make sure that I, I go by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Yes, I don't have to bring a lamb. Yes, I don't have to slay it. But hey, we do need to not take for granted the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our sins. We need to remember it and think about that fact. The purity in verse number six. Look in verse number seven as we think about it. He says, he says, he goes through the purity in verse number six. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all thy wondrous works. Hey, listen, he's publishing the praise of God. We're talking about choosing God's presence. There's the purity in verse number six. There's the publication of, the, of, of God and, and praising God and being thankful for God. Hey, listen, when we get together, I love uh, last Wednesday night it was. Somebody said, well, can I give a praise? Praise the Lord. I love praises. Yeah, you can give a praise. If you've got an answer to prayer, we're excited about that. I mean, we ought to, we have a responsibility to thank God and to publish what he's done for us. And, and, and with a voice of thanksgiving, and the psalmist is saying here, hey, listen, I want to purify myself so that I can speak out and give thanksgiving unto God for all that he has done for me. He wants to publish it. Notice in verse number eight, we have the place of God. The Bible says in verse number eight, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. There ought to be the, the house, the church house, ought to mean something to us. Hey, it ought to be significant in our life. For the psalmist, it was obviously they had the temple. And it was a very spiritual thing for them. They, 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 theirs was a little different, obviously, than ours. They lived in the Old Testament. They had to bring a sacrifice. They had to do a, a ceremonial washing and things like that. And, and so it was a little bit different. But nonetheless, when they came there, it, it became known as the place of God and presence of God. Hey, listen, there's something about coming into the church house and just knowing that, hey, there's the presence of God. Being able to say, you know what, I, I've, I've, I've been to places and they're like, you know, it was right there at that altar that I knelt down and I remember giving my, my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was right there at the altar that I remember laying that burden down that so had, had burdened me for so long and I just left it there for God. And having the church house just come to be a place that means something to you that says, hey, I can go there and I can meet with God in that place. The psalmist is saying, hey, I wanted to choose the very presence of God in my life. We see the purity in 6, the publication in verse 7, and the place of God uh, as he had a definite place. I want you to notice in verse number 9, his concern before God. We see him choosing God's presence. We see him charting the course. We see him considering the end. I want you to notice his concern before God. In verse number 9, he says this, Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. You know what he's saying? He's praying, and he's saying, God, don't count me with that wicked crowd. I don't want to be part of that group. 
Don't, don't gather me with those bloody men. Don't gather me with those bribe-accepting men. Don't gather me as part of that crowd. That's not the crowd that I want to be associated with. That's not the crowd that I want to be gathered to. Uh, man, I want to be gathered to God's people. And I want to make sure that I'm not, I'm not placed in that group of people. And I don't want to be associated with them. Look in verse number uh, 11. He says this, But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. I love this. He says, redeem me and be merciful unto me. He's saying, God, buy me out of that crowd. I don't want to be gathered with that crowd. I want to be bought back to God. Be merciful unto me. Oh, I, I deserve to be lumped in that crowd. Uh, my life would, would say that my actions deserve to, to go there, but God, redeem me and be merciful to me. Boy, two good words that the psalmist uses as he's concerned and he's praying to God and he's asking of God saying, hey, don't put me in that crowd. Look at this in verse number 12. I love this. He says this. He says, my foot standeth in an even place. Boy, you read that. There is nothing like having your feet on stable ground. Our steps when you go up them at our house they're kind of slanted funny. And, uh, and I don't know what it is, but I have tripped over those steps so many times. You know what it is? They're not even. They're, they're slanted. And, and, and I have crashed and burned right there at the top of the stairs several times at my house. Going up on the outside, it's even worse. If it was inside, it would be okay. But it's where my neighbors can see. Crash and burn right there. The steps are uneven. They're not, they're not straight. You know what the psalmist is saying? Hey. I'm glad that God put my feet on an even place. That's something that God does for us. You ever walk on a trail and trails can be rough and they can be uneven and they can be difficult. And, and he's saying, hey, praise the Lord for the stability that God has added in my life. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is as darkness they know not at what they stumble. And listen, praise the Lord for our salvation. What God does for us, He establishes our feet on a solid ground. He, he as He says here, placed, He says, my feet, He says, my foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. He's saying, God, I know you, I deserve to be lumped with that sum, but redeem me, be merciful unto me. Don't associate me with those people. And then he says, hey, he's saying, stabilize me. Keep me in this place where my foot is on even ground. What an incredible psalm as we just kind of burn through it and looking at all of these things, consider the end, chart the course, choose the presence of God, be concerned for what God thinks of our life. He starts it much the way, same way as he ends it in saying that he's walking in his, re, in his integrity. And he, that's kind of how he starts it off in that psalm. He's saying, God, help me to be acceptable, to be pleasing unto thee. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this evening, is our life acceptable and pleasing unto God.
He's the only one that can make it that way. But there's no doubt that we choose to come to his presence. We choose, God, I want my life pure. Help me to make it as such. God, I want to be in your presence. Help me to get to your presence. As we chart our course and say, God, I, I want to I admire your holiness. Help me to avoid the evil and wickedness that exists in this world. And he goes right down through and lays everything out. Father, I pray that you'd help us as the psalmist just so clearly lays everything out for us. I pray, God, that you would help us to chart our course, to choose your presence, to avoid evil, and to look and admire your holiness and who you are and what you are. And God, I pray that you would cause us to live and walk with you. Father, that we could consider the end. And God, that the judgment of God wouldn't be a scary thing to us, but we would say, God, I've done my best. Not perfect, but I've done my best. I'm striving to serve you. I pray that you'd help us in our lives. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begin, is playing, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar is open. Maybe you need to chart your course. Maybe you need to consider the end. Maybe you need to choose the presence of God. Maybe there's 